Thank you, praise team. You all never disappoint. You do an awesome job. I tell you. Love each and every one of you. I don't care what my wife says. I like it. I thought it was funny. I'm sorry it's so cold in here, ladies and gentlemen. I tell you, when it's not uh, fall fest, when it's hot, you couldn't stand it. Now this morning it's so cold. I apologize. We've got to get something figured out here. But um, if you want to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to read verses 12 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'll give everybody a second to, to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter 4, verse 12 says, Blood, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the, same, for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as Christ, as Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come, that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end, end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Let us have a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, again we just come before you and praise your holy name. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. And uh, be with us this day. Fill the sanctuary with your sweet Holy Spirit. Lead us. Guide us. Uh, Lord, I uh, just pray that this message will edify the listeners and glorify you. And Lord, let us serve you well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many people, when I say the name Kayla Jean Mueller, know what I'm talking about? Just out of curiosity, let me show my hands. When I say Kayla Jean Mueller. You know, the sad thing of it is, nobody raised their hands. If they did, I didn't see it. But uh, right here, there's a couple. Okay. So I see a few did raise their hands after I called you out. The thing of it is, that name should be on the lips of every Christian sitting in here today and in the, our nation in general. Kayla Mueller was uh, from uh, <coughs> excuse me, Prescott, Arizona. And uh, she was a devout Christian. Uh, she did a lot of humanitarian efforts and work. Uh, she worked with Doctors Without Borders. And uh, when she was uh, uh, working with Doctors Without Borders, she crossed over into, into Turkey, into Syria, and uh, uh, because she wanted to help. She had a real need to want to help other people. Uh, in fact, uh, she, uh, I forgot where all the different countries, places she went to because she just had a servant's heart. Well, she was kidnapped in Aleppo, Syria. And uh, as a Christian, she was tortured. She was raped multiple times. And uh, in fact, uh, 
the uh, what's his name Al Baghdadi or whatever his name was that they just recently blew away uh, over there uh, forced her into marriage with him and uh, uh, in fact they even called the the, the, uh, the raid was named after her but here she was a young lady a Christian tortured like she was they would parade her around uh, from around the jail cell make them tell them who she was and she would say this, she is smart, she is strong, and she's converted to Islam. And she would stand in the face of her, uh, these terrorists, and say, no, I'm not. I'm a Christian. Even the people that were held captive there said they don't know how in the world she had the strength to still stand and say, I'm a Christian, knowing the torture and the rape she was going to endure for saying that. And uh, we're going to come back to her in just a little bit. But... Uh, what incredible strength in, in the face of what she was going through said that she still would help other people. She was still concerned with other people. She still stayed true to her faith as a Christian. I don't know many people that can do that. Let's be honest with you. You know, uh, in fact, uh, you know, even here we're reading in First Peter 4, uh, reading these verses 12 through 19. You know, this, this was during the time of the, what was known as the Neronian Persecutions. Nero, uh, he uh, when there was a great fire through Rome, which many suspect he did because he wanted to rebuild it, but blamed the Christians uh, for that. And so many times he would take Christians and, and uh, dip them into uh, what they call pitch or like a like a type of oil, and he would light them on fire to illuminate his gardens for his parties. And uh, you know, even Billy Graham talked about. And I'm not here to uh, regurgitate a Billy Graham sermon, but he made some good points. And this is in 1957. And it still applies today. In fact, this is an article, um, I think it's a Christianity Today of October 22nd of 2015, I think is when they put this in there. But, uh, of course, not really relevant. But anyway, uh, what he was saying in there, <clears throat> that uh, it's very unusual uh, for, you know, here for Christians, uh, particularly in our country, who have not really endured any kind of persecution. You know, we've been here for two or three centuries. This country's been established, and we've been pretty much free uh, those kind of attacks and as a Christian <clears throat> I apologize as a Christian uh, we can uh, expect persecution uh, whether it's physical spiritual mental emotional we're going to face these kind of things and he was talking about how it was unusual that uh, uh, that we, have, we will never face uh, the term he used was, was uh, uh, pivotation which uh, means you know not having to do without or uh, having to having kind of scarcity of need and and things of that nature, and that um, uh, you know that we should expect these kind of things to come. I think in our society today, you know, we we kind of joke and laugh how everybody's offended, uh, but the fact of the matter is, it's going to continue to get worse. It's going to get tougher for us as Christians to stand true to our convictions, to speak loudly, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to be harder for us as Christians to as pastors. To stand in the pulpit and preach the whole word of God because it will be considered hate speech. It will be deemed as something that is offensive and they will try to silence us. Uh, but he was talking about, uh, uh, in his uh, message he gave in 1957, he was talking about, you know, it's a very interesting statistic that those with more money give less. And those who uh, are, or have more uh, seem to have be more complacent, more apathetic. You know, when we're facing adversity, when we're facing challenges, uh, we seem to have our faith increased, so to speak, that we uh, uh, seem to do more uh, for Christ. But, then, but when we get uh, you know, in, in our lives where uh, we, we just 
I've talked to so many people, he's talking about in their Christian walk, how they've become very much complacent. And you see it in the churches today. That's why you see empty pews today. That's why you see lack of attendance in churches today, because so many have become so complacent and apathetic in the things of Jesus Christ. And, and their faith needs to be uh, spurred on. It needs to be set on fire for Jesus Christ, because I'm telling you, persecution is coming. I'm just telling you, you see some of these things in, in London, you see things in Canada, you see things even in California where they're wanting to control pastors. In fact, in, in 1985, uh, there was a um, pastor where the state, uh, I can't remember his name now, it's uh, escaped me, but uh, nonetheless, the state wanted to replace him with another pastor and he refused to do so. And so they arrested and put him in jail. And uh, as a result, he said, really, his, his ministry was probably better in prison than it was at the church because he was able to talk to jailers and prisoners and, and God's word flourished there in that jail. But don't think these kind of things are, are isolated. You know, we, we read about those who have went under severe persecution in the name of Jesus Christ. And you see this young lady just within the last few years who was literally tortured and raped daily for Jesus Christ and would not renounce God's name. Now that is true faith, my friends. That is true faith. To stand in the face of persecution and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes I think those who uh, scream courage the loudest or say they won't uh, uh, do anything uh, to defy God may be the very ones who will deny Him the quickest, be the ones to warm their hands and to fire with the enemy the quickest. And uh, I think I, I can see that. You know, there's some people say, well, I would never do that and be the very ones who would relent in a heartbeat. But it may not be the case. None of us will know what we'll do when we're put in that particular place, situation, and time. I hope and pray and think that I would sin courageously and say, no, I will not deny my Savior. I will den not, not deny Jesus Christ. And it's easy to sit up here and say that. But when you're being tortured, or maybe they, they haul in your family and they're torturing your family in front of you, that's going to be a hard call to make. To know, say, can I truly sit here and say, no, I will not deny God. I hope and pray that I will have that courage. I hope and pray that you will have that courage to stand true in the faith of Jesus Christ. But that's what it takes. It takes true faith in God to be able to stand in the face of adversity. And all of you sitting in here have faced some sort of adversity at some point or another. You may not have been physically persecuted uh, as, as, as Ms. Mueller was uh, in Syria. But <clears throat> we face adversity maybe physically in sickness, watching others around us that may die. We may, you know, there's, there's different areas of trials and tribulations in our lives that we may have to deal with that may test our faith in a major way. In fact, I want you to uh, uh, look at uh, Matthew 17. Matthew 17. In fact, you know, it's very interesting. Whenever I'm praying about what to preach about, it just amazes me how God will do little things to reassure me that that's what He wants. When I, if you notice, the, they, they brought the slide for uh, 1 Peter 4 that I read. When I turned on Facebook yesterday, Mike Kinsley had put that very slide on there. And I saw, I used, I had actually had another slide in place, but I saw that and put it on there. And I thought, how, what are the chances that he put that on there and that's the very verse I had already planned. I already had my outline done before he even, before I even saw that. Then this morning, uh, a former teacher of uh, daughters at Ridgeview, she had on there Matthew 5.10, the opening scripture this morning she posted. It just amazed me how God's like, here's, here's, where, here's where I want you. This is what I want you to do. And reassure me this is where, where I need you. So I thought that was pretty cool, Mike, you put that on there yesterday. So. But uh, uh, so anyway, Matthew 17. Let me get over here. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. Matthew 17 says, 
And when they came, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. So that's in other words, he probably had, uh, uh, probably, ep probably was an epileptic is what he's talking about when he said lunatic. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and often to the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we? Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, to go along with this, I want you to just turn a page over or two, depending on how your Bible's laid out, and look at Matthew 13. 31 and 32. Just real quick. Just a page or two from where you're at. Matthew 13, 31 to 32. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, before I go further, our ushers we had just a minute ago, I want you guys to come up here real quick. The same ushers we had just a second ago. Okay, well, what I have over here, these bowls are mustard seeds, all right? So I want you to give every adult one, one, okay? So you can understand my illustration. Do not give any kid under the age of 13 one, because I'm going to put it in her mouth and get choked. And if my mom's watching this morning, she's probably having a fit. Can't believe he's doing that. They're gonna spill that all over the sanctuary floor, and it's gonna be a mess. And some kid's gonna put it in her mouth and get choked. I can just see it. So, don't give it to a kid. And don't drop it on the floor. But if you do drop it on the floor, we're not gonna chastise you, rebuke you. So, I want everybody to get a mustard seed. All right. I want everybody to get a little mustard seed. All right. Now, as you're, as I'm speaking, all right, it gives you something to look at here. This is a mustard seed, about one millimeter in size. Now, uh, Jesus said it's the smallest of the seeds. Now, there are those out there who will say that, uh, uh, well, the evolutionist will oftentimes say uh, that, uh, that Jesus, uh, that, that it makes the Word of God infallible because the mustard seed is not uh, the smallest. And, uh, and you'll have uh, creationists, some creationists, who will say that, uh, well, it's uh, uh, not to uh, be taking literal and, uh, and discounted as well. So either way, both sides are wrong because they're discounting and trying to uh, uh, put away uh, what God, what, what Jesus is saying here, what he's trying to say. Yes, you know, the, uh, the evolutionist, uh, they may have a, uh, what do they call it? The, a, uh, um, oh gosh, it's called a uh, uni... Uh, uniform, uniformational, I think of what it's called, view that whatever we see today is the same as yesterday. So back during this time, this may have very well been the smallest seed in that particular place and area of the world and country. I mean, of course, today we have what is known as the jewel orchid that is 0 0.05 millimeters. That is considered the smallest. But that's not the point of what Christ is trying to make here. And is he saying that, uh, you know, that, uh, that this is how small our faith has to be? No. 
He's saying that if we just have this much faith, how much more we can overcome, our faith should be great and mighty in God. It shouldn't just be just such a so small a tiny of a seed. But if we have this much faith, look at how much we can overcome. Look at how much that we can do. Look at how much we can accomplish. And that's what Christ is saying here too. Putting the right found, putting the right conditions. Uh, this tiny little seed can grow into a mighty tree. It said that even uh, a man on a horse uh, uh, could ride right underneath it. That birds can sit in, in the in the uh, in the branches of it. And, and so we see how mighty and strong such a little seed can be. Look how mighty and strong our faith in Jesus Christ can be if we put our faith and total trust in God. I mean, you can, you can hold it in your hand and look at how tiny so our faith can be. Thank goodness it fell there, not on the floor. Uh, if our faith could be, if we just had that much faith at what we could accomplish, what we could do. So I want you to hang on to that. I want you to look at that. Put it in the palm of your hand. Look at it. And uh, I'm going to lay mine right there because I keep dropping. But uh, so, you know, just a little faith. That's all Christ is talking about. Just having a little bit of faith. You know, in fact, well, I'll tell you what. I know I've been reading a lot out of Matthew, but I want you to look. I mean, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Matthew 8. 23, 23. We'll come back to the mother seat here in just a second here. Matthew 8, 23 and 27. It says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fe fe fearful? I'll get out here in a second. Fee, fi, fo, fun. Ye fearful, O ye of little faith. Alright? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So here we see that uh, they had faith, but apparently they didn't have enough faith. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, here Jesus is laying right there with them. They'd seen all these things. You know, he's right there laying. They see this massive storm. Now, you got to remember, these are fishermen. So they probably used to see a pretty bad storm. But apparently this storm was so big and so bad as beyond anything they'd ever seen before. And so they are, they're in a panic, you know. And they're waking Jesus up. And, you know, help us. We're, we're, we're scared. We're gonna, this boat's going to tear in two. We're going to sink. We're going to drown. And Jesus is like, Be still. And the, and the storm was still. And he said, Whoa, ye have little faith. You know, why is it in our lives sometimes our storms in our lives seem bigger than Jesus? But all we have to have is just a little bit of faith. We just have that much faith of what, look at what we can overcome. Look what we can accomplish if we just have just that much faith. But it can blossom into something very big and very huge. You know, we talk about the kingdom of God. It's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God, being, you know, it, can, it may start out small. A church may start out small, but then it grows. Any dream, any, any venture that we have may start out small. We have to, have to take baby steps. You know, that's a problem with, they say with a lot of millennials. They don't want to take the, the baby steps. They want to go straight from, uh, you know, from high school to uh, VP of Exxon, you know, without having to make any work to make it happen. But even in our Christian lives, we have to take baby steps to make it happen. So the kingdom of God who may, in our churches may start small, but then it branches out and accomplishes great things. And when our faith is strong in Jesus Christ, no matter how bad the storm is, we know that we have just a little bit of faith in trusting God. He'll get us through those terrible storms. 
You know, I know you all know I deal with sickness all the time. It stinks. I hate it. In fact, I, a little bit uh, tonight's going to hit on that uh, to a certain extent. But the fact of the matter is, it's during those times of adversity, those times of sickness, those times of troubles that we cling to God even more. Increases your faith even more. And there's a difference between faith and belief. You can believe that George Washington existed. You can believe that, you know, uh, we're going to have lunch after uh, church today. You can believe that uh, whatever. You can have beliefs in a lot of different things, but there's a difference between belief and empirical data and, and research and faith. You know, he, you know, we have to believe in Jesus Christ, that He is real. But we have faith in His promises. See, we have faith in what He's going to do and what He tells us. We have that faith. We have belief in faith. There's more than just believing. It was we have to have faith in what Christ tells us as well, in His strength. But we, you know, we have to be able to hold on to that faith when we are in the midst of suffering, when we are having those troubles, when we are uh, uh, going through, you know, we see family members suffering. You know, just like Lionel Charlie was here the other night, his sister has stage four lung cancer, having to deal with that. I know it's weighing heavily on his mind, but he did say last night that uh, she's doing a lot better, so praise God for that. But, you know, uh, I know what it's like to see loved ones die of cancer and see your kids sick and, and all these different things that are happening. But we have to have faith in God that He's going to carry those things out. We have faith in God that He is going to strengthen us and He's going to encourage us and help us through any situation. But, you know, here's the thing that we have to be very careful about. You know, when things don't go right, you know, even though we might have spent many hours of prayer and, and you know, and, and yet we still see loved ones die or we see little children say, just like I was reading this morning, it's this little baby is terminal uh, with cancer and we see these things and, you know, we're in, 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 Lord can heal this little baby. There's no reason why He can't. But if it doesn't, then, you know, either one way or the other, on this side of heaven or the other, this child will be healed. But, you know, the, we sometimes think, well, I should have had more faith if I'd have had more faith and then this bad thing wouldn't have happened. If I'd had more faith, then maybe my kid wouldn't be sick. If I'd had more faith, maybe my parent wouldn't have died. If I had more faith, you know, we think that if we have more faith, that's bad theology. Because we think we're being punished because we didn't have enough faith. We didn't have enough, uh, to, we didn't pray hard enough, or we've done something wrong. So where our punishment is, these things were allowed to happen. And, and, but that's not the case. God is not out to get you. That's one thing I was telling him yesterday at the, when I was uh, fishing over a funeral. I was like, God is not out to get you. All right, God loves you. Does you know even uh, Barkley in some of his commentaries he he made a statement that you know uh, I think sometimes people try to uh, uh, find meaning in every situation. There may not always be a God meaning and purpose in every single situation. It's just the fact that there's evil in this world. We live in a fallen world since the time of Adam and Eve when sin entered this world. We have to deal with sickness. We have to deal with death. We have to deal with sorrow. But we believe in Jesus Christ and we have faith in His promises and we know that one day that we will be, for those who are saved, will be in heaven and will no longer have to deal with any kind of pain or suffering, death or sorrow ever again. But there's, you know, just because something bad happens doesn't mean you're lacking in your faith, that you're being punished in some way. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, you look at, um, uh, at James and Peter and, and, and these that were uh, persecuted in the name of Jesus Christ. Why was, you know, uh, you know here these were, were true men of God, but yet James was murdered and Peter was set free. And so, you know, uh, what, you know you, why, why was that the case? You know, you see, you know, we're not always rescued out of adversity. 
I mean, you can look at Stephen. Uh, you know, here he was uh, a, a man of faith that loved Jesus Christ. And they said that his face almost shined like an angel. And yet he was martyred and he was stoned to death. So just because you're saved, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean that you're going to be free of adversity. Doesn't mean you're not going to face any kind of challenge. Doesn't mean that you're going to get out of jail free card in this life. I think some people think that that. Well, if I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, then it's going to be smooth sailing. Everything's going to be going good. And then when the bad things hit, you're thinking, what's going on? I don't understand. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Why is this happening? Because if you're going to be a child of God, expect adversity. The world's going to hate you. The devil's going to attack you. It's going to happen. That's a part of being a Christian. Yes, there are awesome, great things about being a Christian. There is God's love. There is God's joy. There is God's peace. There is God's strength and perseverance. And those are great, wonderful things. But the fact of the matter is, we will face adversity in this life. So when those storms hit, do they look bigger than Jesus Christ? Or is your faith, as, uh, can be as small as that mustard seed, can be big enough to overcome those adversities, knowing where your strength lies, knowing that Jesus will help you to overcome any trial or tribulation you're going to go through. But it's going to happen. Expect it. Because the closer you try to get to God, the more you try to do right, the devil don't like it. And he's going to try to cast everything in the world he can out there to pull you down and pull you away from Jesus Christ so that you will give up, you renounce your faith in Him and go right back into the world. That's what He wants. That's why He attacks you. And so it, it's took me a, a long time uh, to truly understand some of these things because there's many a time after surgeries and sickness that I'm laying there and I'm thinking, God, why? Why am I having to go through this? Why is this happening? I don't understand. You know, so you're trying to find meaning. You're trying to find purpose. Well, maybe it's because of this. Maybe because of that. You know, maybe I'm not being faithful enough. Maybe I'm not believing enough. Maybe this, 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 this. That's always the case. Maybe... God is using that suffering, that situation to draw you closer to Him. To make you more dependent upon Him. Maybe that's why we have to suffer and go through certain situations. So that we are more dependent upon Him and renounce our own selfishness. Because we want to be selfish in the fact that we think we can handle situations. We are in control. And we have to get to a point to understand we are not in control of nothing. God is in control of everything. And we have to give it all over to Him. So even in sickness, you say, praise God, you gave me another day to live. You gave me another opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. If you're bedridden, that's why it's great about social media. Is the fact you can even in, a, in bedridden, you can still talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. You can still be an example. You can still share a Bible verse. You can still do something for Jesus. You know, without Jesus Christ, what is there? There's nothing else. Without Jesus, there's nothing. There's no purpose. There's no reason to live. There's nothing but death and hell. And there's, there's nothing outside of Jesus. So that's when we, when you've truly given your life over to Jesus Christ, you need to snap out of this complacency. You need to snap out of this apathy. You need to start getting on fire for Jesus. So I was telling my dad the other day, I said, man, when I get up there, I get so excited. I get so on fire. I want, and I want it to be catchy. I want you all to be excited for Jesus Christ. I want you to be excited to come to church. I want you to wake up every day excited. Say, man, I can't wait to see what's in God's Word. Because that's the problem. There's so many anemic and, and, and starved Christians out there because nobody's reading their Bibles and spending that time in prayer. So when the storms hit and adversities come, you're freaking out. Just like the, the disciples were. Like, oh, no, wake up Jesus, man. We're going to die. And he said, oh, ye of little faith, man. 
And he's saying it again and again. We see this in, 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 in Matthew. What We read three different verses, or out of three different chapters, rather, in different verses, talking about having little faith. I'm talking about having the faith of a, just that much of a mustard seed. That's not, he's not saying that's all to have, but if you have at least that much, what you can accomplish. But we need to have more than that. It needs to grow. It needs to flourish. And there's so many Christians who are not growing and not flourishing. We want to be able to branch out and we want to be able to stand true, stand strong in those storms. We want to, be able, we want to have that faith in Jesus Christ that gives us that firm foundation in His Word. We want to be excited to dive into God's Word. I'll be honest with you. If it was up to me, I'd preach out of an English Standard Version because I think it's so much easier to understand. But the reason why I do preach out of King James is, is I do like the way it's worded in some ways. But the majority of you, that's what you, have, what you grew up with, with King James. And I've noticed when I tried to use an English Standard Version, you all didn't like it. You know, I, could, I could feel the tension like, oh, I can't believe he's using an English Standard Version. I like the theoth and the thaleth. I like the thou like suffering Sylvester when I read. You know? <laughs> That's one reason why I like English Standard Version because I don't feel like I'm, I'm talking with a lisp. There's so many times I'm reading verses I'm thinking, good grief, what did I just say? You know? But that's why I use it. But if you have trouble, my point is if you're having trouble understanding your Bible, get a version. All right? I'm telling you right now, when you get to heaven, St. Peter's not going to say, did you read out of the King James or the English Standard? And if you say, I read out of the, King, of the English Standard, eh, I'm sorry. This is King James only. It ain't going to happen, all right? I'm just telling you. Okay? So, it does, as long as you got, if you can understand it, all right? I think, that's, I think one thing that deters some people reading their Bible, they don't understand it. And it is hard to understand. Get you a good English Standard Version. I, I love to, that's one of the most accurate translations you can get. The New Living is good, but it's more of a paraphrase. But the English Standard is one of the most accurate versions you can get. I mean, there's some others out there that are great too. And that way you can understand it. Get you like a, like a Reformation study Bible so that you can see those verses underneath and then explain some of those verses that are hard to understand. The point is so that you will get excited and, and be in God's Word every day. We have to have that. You're not going to go a day without eating. I know I don't because I like to eat. So... You sh this is our bread of life right here. You don't want to go to death without eating. You shouldn't want to go to death without reading God's Word. Because we want to strengthen our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Verse 13, 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. But the point I'm making out here is hope. Faith and hope. Now, I don't expect you to turn here, but I just want to read real quick Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Of course, that is the faith chapter, and I encourage you to go back and read that if you can get time uh, to do so. Now, uh, there is uh, a difference between faith and hope. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You can't have hope without faith. You can't have faith without hope. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, okay, how does that work exactly? Well, we, the way we have faith and hope is so we have hope for the future glory of Jesus Christ. See, it's just like, um, say, uh, Bernie sitting here. All right, uh, he, he's got a son and a uh, good, good young man and always liked PJ. But say when he was little and uh, Bernie said, uh, hey, tomorrow we're going to go to the zoo. All right, well... DJ's all excited because not only does he have faith, because he knows when his dad tells him something, it's going to happen.
but he has hope because he's excited that he's going to get to see something he's been wanting to go to. See, that's what Jesus Christ, he never lies to us. And so when he tells us something, that he's going to do something, that is our faith in that. But, see, we have hope because we know what he says is true. See, sometimes we, we, we have hope. Sometimes it's like, well, boy, I hope my wife makes me a good supper today, you know, and don't spit in it, you know. I hope that uh, my car don't break down. I hope that, uh, uh, you know, the, the next election goes well. I hope, you know, we have all these different hopes. And sometimes those hopes can, is really kind of tied to a, a negative sense because uh, that hope is, well, I hope this happens. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, it's completely different. It's positive. Because the hope there is, is that we know what Christ said is real and true. And we have that hope because we know what's going to happen. We have that positive outlook of that hope. So no matter what torture, what adversity, whatever we go through, we have that hope of the promises of Jesus Christ. That's why we have to read God's Word. You know, you read all these people who were tortured for Jesus Christ. Who went through so much adversity that when they were in prisons, they would, they would, they were, they would memorize when they had memorized verses, they uh, would go back and reflect on that. And that's what got through those terrible situations. In fact, Billy Graham's talking about an individual he knew that was locked into a prison for three years. He said his biggest uh, uh, regret during that whole time was the fact that he didn't memorize more scripture. That's what, see, that's how we fight. That's how we uh, combat when the devil attacks us is quoting scripture. And that's, this is our defense. We have to be girded with the belt of truth. And that is God's word. So that we can understand his hope. We can understand the, our faith in Jesus Christ, His truths in which He tells us. And, you know, it, 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 is, it is so exciting to know that no matter what we go through, this is what we have to cling to. You know, it just amazes me. Uh, and I know I talk about this a lot, but it just amazes me on social media, the lack of, of belief in individuals. Uh, in fact, I was reading yesterday, I forgot what it was about. Uh, Oh, I know what it was. It was Kanye West. Apparently, his where he's apparently he's, he's well, everything I'm reading. He's true in his convictions that he has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And at his concerts, or uh, that he uh, is wanting to give out Bibles to his concert. In the back door is a, a, a place that's going to donate Bibles for him to give out. And one of the comments under there is a uh, guy said uh, they should just throw that in the trash. That's where it belongs. And, uh, you know, and I see garbage like that all the time. And, uh, you know, he better turn because he's going to burn. You know what I mean? And so uh, this is truth. This is, he's, he's talking about fairy tales and fables. This is not fairy tales and fables. This is truth. This is reality. All right? God's trying to help you in your adversity, in your daily walk, in what you're dealing with, and what you're going through. This is how he helps us. You know, when I'm feeling down and out, I call my dad. He'll say stuff trying to make me laugh. Or he gives me encouragement. Well, guess what? When you're feeling down and out, this is what gives you encouragement. This is what gives you strength. It's God's promises. And that is our hope each and every day is reading these truths to get us through those situations. You know, I was talking about uh, Kayla Muir. Like I said, it's really, she is, that has been on my mind. For whatever reason, so strong this week. I don't know if it's because of where I have a daughter, but uh, it has really bothered me. And uh, her her faith in uh, Jesus Christ has just uh, has just amazed me in a, in a major way. But she, uh, some of the people that escaped there, uh, she wrote a letter to give to her parents. 
And uh, I'm going to read this here. This is from CBN News. So Mueller also spoke extensively about how she relied on her faith. In a handwritten letter given to her parents while she was in captivity, Mueller's cellmates, who were eventually freed, gave the letter to her family in the spring of 2014. Mueller wrote, I remember Mom always telling me that all in all, at the end, the only one you really have is God. I've come to a place and experience where, in every sense of the word, I have surrendered myself to our Creator, because literally there was no else by God, by your prayers. I felt tenderly cradled in freefall. I have been shown in darkness, light. I have learned that even in prison, one can be free. I am grateful. I have come to see that there is good in every situation. Sometimes we just have to look for it. Mueller said, I pray each day that if nothing else, you have felt a certain closeness, surrender to God as well, have formed a bond of love, support amongst one another. She ended the heartfelt letter urging her family to give their pain to God. Please be patient. Give your pain to God. I know you would want me to remain strong, she wrote. That's exactly what I'm doing. Do not fear for me. Continue to pray, as will I. By God's will, we will be together soon. What an incredible young lady. Tortured and raped daily. And still she could cling to the hope and the faith of Jesus Christ. She was in a physical prison being tortured. Some of you are in a mental prison allowing the old devil to torture you. You can have freedom today. Just like she was saying there, there is light and darkness. And all he's saying is come to him. Surrender all to Him. That's all He's asking. He's not asking you to clean up your act. He's not asking you to be better than what you are. He just wants you as you are. Just come to Him. That's, that's, those words are for those who are not saved. For those of you who are saved, you should listen to this. You should read about this incredible young lady. This isn't some, about some saint from 1500, 1700, some... Uh, Christian we read about in the time of Jesus. This is just within a couple of years. 2014. We're reading about a young lady who stood in the face of terrorists and proclaimed proudly and boldly Jesus Christ. That is our hope. That is where our faith lies. That is our strength. You better light a fire out of your backsides because Jesus Christ is coming soon. You will be judged on how you acted in His name. You still glorifying God when you're by yourself? Glorifying God when you're in front of people? Glorifying God when the jerk pulls up in front of you and gives you the finger? Because sometimes that's hard to do. That's when you want to lose your redneck side. We need to make sure that we're glorifying God in all areas of our lives. And I tell you, I, I really wish the same amount of people I see on Sunday mornings and I see on Sunday night and Wednesday night not because I want to see the church full, but that tells me that you're not satisfied with what you're getting on Sunday morning. You want more. You want to hear more about Jesus. You want to grow. And you want to learn. Because adversity and persecution, depending on how this next election goes, I ain't trying to teach politics. In fact, I try hard to get away from that. A lot of people get upset about it. Depending on how it goes, this may be a true good versus evil, and uh, we may see some real persecution as Christians. I hope you're prepared and I hope you're ready for what may be coming down the line. If you'll stand, we'll have a word of prayer. And after I'm done praying, uh, Mrs. Brown will be playing the invitation.
And uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you want to save you, please come over here and, and talk to me. Or if you have a concern, I'll be happy to pray with you as well. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your strength. Lord, uh, I pray you be with the Mueller family. I can't imagine what they're going through and dealing with and the pain. And one thing's for sure, I know they have to be proud of their daughter. You stand for Jesus Christ no matter what. And I pray that those here listening will stand for you just as strong no matter what the outcome. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, let them pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. direct us, keep us safe until we meet again, and let us honor you in all we do. In Jesus' name I pray.